This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. C3, welcome to our home. Thank you for checking this out today. Uh, man, we're, we're so grateful for the ability with technology uh, to be able to continue to meet online. So while we're not meeting and gathering publicly, uh, we are gathering spiritually and connecting um, online. If you've never been to C3, I also want to welcome you. And I want to let you know and, and, and all the C3 people know, man, Angie and I have been praying for you. And we're going to continue to do that. And today, the reason I wanted to invite you into our home online was because I want to share with you just a few thoughts about what has been sort of a go-to passage for me in life, a go-to passage in Scripture. When things are tough and when life gets wheels off, there's one place that I always go. And so as you're watching today, um, if you're in pain, I want to talk to you. If you're feeling somewhat hopeless, I want to talk to you. If you're feeling afraid, I want to talk to you. If you've ever felt or you're feeling overwhelmed, I want to talk to you. If you're struggling with life or what life might look like uh, as we roll through what we're all dealing with right now, I want to talk to you. And so I want to check out Psalm 46 because it's the go-to passage for me. If you've ever thought, man, what do I do? What can I read in God's word on the worst day of my life? It's Psalm 46. In fact, in my Bible, on the back of it, it actually says, for the worst day of my life, Psalm 46. This is the go-to passage. It's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. And it's my prayer that as we look at this today, God will use it to bring you some comfort and to help us realize that we have hope in Him no matter what things look like. Psalm 46 verse 1 starts with, God is our refuge and strength. And the word God there is very unique because in the Hebrew language, the word used for God right there is the word Elohim. It's the oldest word for God. And it's used throughout this entire psalm. It is the word used for God. But it says God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And you might think, I might be tempted to think, hang on, it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't seem like God is our refuge and strength. When we look around and we see what's happening, man, man, are those just words on a page in a Bible from a God who doesn't understand what real life is like? No, I think we have to understand the context of what was happening in this verse. Hezekiah is the king of Israel, and they're facing something they've never dealt with. The Assyrian army, which was the most powerful army in all the world at that time, has marched through the northern kingdom, come to the southern kingdom, and has surrounded the city of Jerusalem. And Hezekiah is in that city. They are completely surrounded. There's never been a more hopeless or more impossible scenario. The Assyrian army has desolated every people they've, they've marched through on the way to Jerusalem. They're, they've done so much damage. They, they've brought so much destruction. They're actually tired of killing people. So they send a messenger right up to the walls of the city of Jerusalem to shout over where the people can hear. And they basically say, if you'll open the gates to the city of Jerusalem, if you'll surrender and give up, we won't kill you like we've killed everybody else. Yeah, we're going to take you captive. You're going to be slaves, but you'll have a better life than if we have to fight you, because if we have to fight you, we're taking everybody out. And by the way, your king Hezekiah, he's a person of faith, and he's probably going to tell you how God's going to protect you. 
but no other God has protected anybody we've fought. We've won everything. And, and so this messenger is trying to bring some fear to the people of Israel, the people inside the walls in Jerusalem. And Hezekiah, what does he do? He begins to pray. He begins to seek God. We read about it in 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19, where basically he seeks God's word. He asks for God's prophet and he wants to hear from God. And so because he's a person of faith, he really points the children of Israel to trust God, even in this scenario. But before this ever happened, he knew that Jerusalem could be vulnerable to attack. And so long before the Assyrian army ever got there, he sent people out about over 1,700 feet to a spring in the Kidron Valley. And they threw the rock, they, they hewn out a conduit that would provide water from that spring. It was 1,770 feet long. And so it comes into the city of Jerusalem and comes up inside. And so while they're surrounded by the Assyrian army and the Assyrians decide, hey, we're just going to wait you out because you won't give up. You won't open the doors. Now we're going to kill you, but we're going to wait you out. They don't understand that on the inside, the people of God have a secret source. They have the spring traveling 1,770 feet, bringing them fresh water. So day after day, it goes by, and the Assyrians are thinking, why don't you give up? Today's got to be the day. You have no resources. They didn't know they had a secret source. So it's in that context that we read these words in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And that word refuge literally means shelter from danger, a safe place to hide. Hey, when life goes wheels off, where do you hide? What do you run to? When we're in trouble, when things are difficult, maybe when the person that you promised, I'll love you forever, and they promised the same thing, and now they don't, what do you turn to? Or maybe in what's happening right now, not just in our nation, but all over the globe, maybe you've lost your job. What do you turn to? When you're not sure what tomorrow's going to look like or what's happening to your 401k or what you thought retirement might look like, when all of that sort of begins to crumble, where do you turn? The Bible says that we have a God that will be our refuge, a shelter from danger, a safe place to hide. So this verse says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And I love that phrase, ever-present. Because it paints the picture that our God is immediate. He's always available. He's immediate. He's soon found. He's tested. In all of history, God has never failed. God has never been wrong. Now, often it feels like God shows up in the fourth quarter. Sometimes he's kind of a, a fourth quarter God. Maybe God doesn't act sooner because if he acted immediately, as soon as we wanted him to, we would have a much more shallow faith. We continue to trust, we continue to hold on to who God is, and he knows the time when he's going to be available, but, but it says he's ever-present. He's always there, always ready, ready when we need him, and it might be the fourth quarter, but it's never going to be too late. And the way he's going to work is going to develop and strengthen our faith. One of the things I've learned about faith, and I think you're learning about faith, we're all learning together, is that faith does not grow on the good days. When life is fine, it's easy to feel like I don't need much God. When life's going well, it's easy to feel like, why pray? We, we sort of take the good days for granted. Faith is built for the days we're walking through right now. Faith stands the tallest and shows its power the most when we feel the weakest. Faith is built for this. Our faith grows the most in the uncomfortable places. It's when we're uncomfortable that we grow. 
So he's an ever-present help, always available, soon found, tested and tried. That's who our God is. And he's painting this picture to us. And what's fascinating to me is that while you're watching this today and while we're sharing this moment together, before history began, God made sure this event would take place and it would be recorded in his words. Why? Because no matter what you're feeling in this moment, no matter what I'm feeling in this moment, this is God whispering to us, I know. I'm aware. I know. And I want you to think about what I've done in the past. See, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's very easy for me to get sort of a spiritual amnesia, to kind of forget the things that God has done in the past. And we look through the pages of Scripture and we find all these cases where God did these huge things. But it's easy to forget what God can do. And when we walk through crisis or difficulty, we go into seasons that we've never been in before. It's very easy to forget what God has done and what God can do. He's ever present. And so sometimes as followers of Christ, we say we believe in God, but we live like he's dead. We say, man, I have faith. I trust God. But we're consumed with worry. We're bombarded with doubt. When we're awake, we're concerned. When we're supposed to be sleeping, we can't sleep because we're just overwhelmed with what's taking place. I think it's important to remember our God is a God that has always been ever present, always been ready, always been available. And there's nothing that we're going to face that's bigger than our God is. So scripture says he's an ever present help in trouble in this first verse in Psalm. And that word trouble literally means a distressed or a tight place. I think we're in a tight place right now. We're in a place of distress. I remember Angie, my bride, when she was in high school. This was a few months before we actually met. I grew up in Texas. She grew up in Florida and she moved to Texas. That's how we met. But before we met, she was on a, a trip with her student group. They were on a, a student ministry trip and they were riding on a bus and somebody had the idea. Let's see how many people we can fit in the bathroom of this bus. Angie was 15 years old. And so they crammed as many people as they could into this little bathroom on this Greyhound bus or whatever kind of bus it was. They got 14 people in that bathroom. But somehow in cramming everybody in that they could fit in that bathroom, somehow Angie ended up being on the bottom, like right by the toilet on the bus. And she tells the story and people that were there tell the story of what happened. She doesn't know where it came from, but all of a sudden she couldn't take it. Um, she's claustrophobic. She can also be sort of a germaphobe. And the last thing you want to be is by a toilet on a bus with teenage boys. You don't want to be in that position. And so she started throwing people off of her and the bathroom door blew open. People are flying out of the bathroom. 14 people that got in the bathroom, but she was in a tight place. Right now, we're all in a tight place. Whether you're watching the stock market or, or you're waiting on that call from your boss, hey, we've got to do the layoffs. Or you're trying to figure out what happened to toilet paper? Where did it all go? Or you're wondering, is there going to be food at the store? We're in a tight place. So notice what this verse says. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, 
God is painting this picture for us that no matter, no matter how bad it looks when we look over the, the edge of the wall of our city, when we look over the edge of the wall of our lives and we, feel, we see that we're surrounded and that day it was the Assyrian army and our day it's just nature's in convulsion and nations are in conflict and we don't, we're not sure what it's going to look like or how it's going to go. This verse says there's a way we can navigate this that even though there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress, therefore we will not fear. When it feels like our world is falling to pieces, God offers a sustaining peace, a kind of peace that comes from him. It, it was Jesus who said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And, and he offers to give us not just a peace, not just kind of a peace, he offers to give us his peace. So this verse says, therefore, we will not fear, though maybe you've lost your job. Therefore, we will not fear, though we don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. Therefore, we will not fear, though everything I thought about what life would be next month has now changed. Therefore, we will not fear, though I have no idea if I'm going to be able to retire, when I'm going to be able to retire. Therefore, we will not fear. And then he tells us how that's even possible. In verse four, the Bible says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. And it's in reference to what Hezekiah had done before they were surrounded. This water source, this secret source, this stream that's coming up in the middle of the city, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. They had a source they were able to rely on, but this source, it came from the inside. It didn't come from the outside. Over and over again in the pages of Scripture, we read that our source, what will sustain us in moments of crisis, what will give us hope when we have more questions than answers, it comes from the inside. It's the Spirit of God living in us. I think about what Jesus said in John chapter 4, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The source is on the inside. Or then in John chapter 7, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So over and over again, there's this pattern in scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, that our source, our secret source, the sustaining power, what will give us hope, what will get us through, what will increase and enhance our faith is found on the inside. It doesn't matter what we look at when we're looking over the walls of our lives, when we're looking over the wall of the city, the source that's going to get us through is found on the inside. And one of the things I've discovered when life gets difficult, you know people, I know people that have walked through challenging things in life, where their world has been turned upside down, maybe the death of a child, maybe the, the heartbreaking, devastating, painful divorce they walked through. We know people who've been through painful things. It's not people who have the most stuff that have the most peace. It's people who have the most faith that have the most peace. So how do I increase my faith? Hey, this is your moment. Eminem wasn't wrong. This is your moment where as we walk through this kind of pain, the stage is set for God to increase our faith, and he's going to do that by showing us how faithful he is. He is a faithful God. Doesn't matter what it looks like when we look outside the walls of our life. Doesn't matter what we feel when we open our eyes each morning and there's that, that gradual dawning of, oh yeah, this is what we're living through. Our source is on the inside. 
So this verse in Psalm 46, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Now that phrase, God is within her, in some translations, it's, it's translated God is in the midst. Have you ever thought about the fact that God is always in the midst? We read in scripture, the account of creation, God was in the midst of it. When Jesus was a 12-year-old boy in the temple, he was in the midst of the religious leaders. When the disciples were afraid in an upper room, hiding because of what had taken place, Jesus shows up in their midst. In fact, the only place we find that God is not in the midst is in an empty tomb because he got up. When Jesus was hanging between heaven and earth in the midst, paying the price for your sin and for my sin, not just so we could have a home in heaven when this life is over, but so that we could know the heavenly father in a personal way. So we could know the God who invites us to call him father in a very personal way so he could be real to us in these moments. And then there's the picture of what takes place. Nations are in uproar, verse six. Kingdoms fall. He lifts the voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then notice verse eight. It's very unique in Psalm 46. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolation he's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. What is he talking about? Hezekiah is in the city of Jerusalem. He and the children of Israel are surrounded by the Assyrian army, the most powerful army, the army that has the most soldiers. It's over. It's hopeless. But then one night, God sends one angel. And that one angel takes out 185,000 people in the Assyrian army. Now, you might hear that. I might hear that and think, wow, 185,000 people, one angel. You know what I really think when I hear about that and when I read that in Scripture? I think maybe God picked the smallest angel. Because how hard is that for God? 185,000 people, 185,000 enemies, one angel. That doesn't take the biggest angel. The smallest angel can do that because that's how powerful our God is. But in one night, one angel devastates the Assyrian army to the point where their king says, hey, we, we need to leave. We don't need to attack this city Man, that's what happened with one angel in one night. They probably have more angels that can defend them. Their God has a lot of angels. We're out of here. And God saves the city. But what sustains them until the moment of salvation, what gets them through until that moment is that secret source they had on the inside. Their faith in the one true God and the fact that they were prepared when it all happened and they had that source, that spring of water traveling over 1,700 feet, providing everything they needed day by day. It was on the inside. So what does that mean for you and for me today? This was hundreds, thousands of years ago. What does that mean for us today? It's a strong example of a reality that when we lean into faith, we recognize, and it is this. God himself will step onto the battlefield of our lives and fight for us. God will take care of whatever enemies we faith. And then one of the most famous verses in all the Bible comes right out of that. Psalm 46, verse 10, he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I'm God. Maybe you've read that before. What does that really mean? It literally means in the language, drop your hands and relax. Stop flailing. Stop, stop trying. Now, there are all different kinds of people watching this morning watching throughout the day, this afternoon, whenever you're checking out this video, all different kinds of people. 
Some of you, you're brand new in your relationship with Jesus. You're learning everything you can. You've recently become a Christ follower. I'm aware there are different audiences watching. Others, maybe you've been a Christ follower for a long time and you've been studying your Bible and your faith has been growing and you all, we all walk through days where it's weaker than others, but overall there's a default pattern in your life of a growing faith. And then maybe, maybe there are some who, maybe you're a procrastinator. Have you ever procrastinated? This verse, he says, be still and know that I am God. It is not the theme verse for procrastinators. It does not mean do nothing. It does not mean, hey, don't worry about anything. Sit back. Who cares? It doesn't matter. That's not what it means. Because think about this. In this passage, this verse comes to a people whose king had done everything he could. He had that conduit through the rock hewn out long before this happened. He was prepared. He did everything he could. So what this verse means He says, be still and know that I'm God. When you've done everything you can, then you can rest in who I am. So if there are things you can do, do that. Man, if there are people you need to communicate with, we're having to limit interaction right now, but FaceTime is a beautiful thing. Skype, whatever you use. Man, if there are people you need to encourage, people you need to pray with, if there are things you need to do to be ready, do everything you can do. But then when you've done all you can do, rest in who God is. He's going to take care of us. Be still and know that I am God. Now, I am in no way trying to minimize what we're walking through. We're going through some days like none of us have ever lived. Nobody would have thought four weeks ago anything like this could happen. Nobody could have ever predicted, hey, here's what's about to happen. We're we're going somewhere we've never been. So in no way am I trying to minimize or act like this is not a big deal. That's not my intention. What I'm trying to do is maximize who God is and wants to be in our lives. Because even in the midst of intense turmoil, when we look over the walls of our lives and we feel surrounded by doubt, surrounded by fear, surrounded by anxiety, surrounded by more questions than answers, even in the midst of that, if you're a follower of Christ, you have a secret source on the inside. The same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside you. And he is our source. And then notice verse 11, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God is with us. He's our fortress. He's our shelter. He's our refuge. He's everything we need in these days as people of faith. So that first verse in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. What does it mean? It means tomorrow morning when you're standing at the kitchen sink and the tears falling from your face mixed with the tears in the water. God is with you. It means as you get that email that, hey, your boss needs to talk to you and there's a phone call set up for a certain time in the day and and, and you're afraid this may be the layoff, this may be bad news, it means God is with you. It it means as you turn on the news or you read the news online or or somebody texts you, hey, I heard this from so-and-so and and this might be what they're going to do next, and all those fears begin to well up, it means God is with you. It means that every moment of every day, God is with you. Maybe you're a parent of kids and now your kids are at home. Prayer's back in school now. (laughs) Your kids are at home, you're praying, you have no idea. How am I gonna help teach them? How am I gonna navigate this? And you're concerned. God is with you. In every single thing you and I are facing, for those of us that are followers of Christ, God is with you. And that's the message of Psalm 46. No matter how scary it looks, God is with you. 
and His Spirit lives inside you. Now, maybe you're watching this and you're not a Christ follower. There's never been a time where you've committed your life to Christ. Hey, this could be your moment. This could be the very moment that from before the beginning of time, God knew what we would be facing in these days. And I don't believe he wants us to walk through this being completely captured by fear. I don't think God wants us to be consumed with worry. In fact, Scripture says, hey, don't worry. But how do you do that? You do that by having a personal, intimate, daily relationship with the living God. You don't do that by having more religion. Religion doesn't help anybody. You don't do that by trying to do better than you did yesterday. We all disappoint even ourselves. We find that hope and that peace by having a relationship with a living God. And so if that's what you'd like to do today, if today you'd like to commit your life to Christ, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. I want you to have that source inside you, the source that Scripture speaks of, the the living waters provided by the Spirit of God to sustain you and resource you as we walk through not just this season, but we'll walk through other difficult things in the future. I want you to know that when this life's over, yes, you have a home in heaven, but just as much you have the living God living inside you in this life to walk with you on the good days and the bad days. So if you'd like to commit your life to Christ, I want to invite you to pray a very, very very simple prayer. You can pray it out loud, or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 that Jesus knows even our thoughts. So if you'd like to commit your life to Christ and to have available to you everything God offers, the forgiveness of sin, the reality of His presence, His sustaining power, and His blessing in your life and family, just pray this prayer. Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, I invite you to come into my life. Please forgive my sin. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'd like to ask you to do something. If you just prayed that prayer, I'd like to know it. I want to ask you just to text your first name to 407-487-8311. You'll see that number on the bottom of the screen, 407-487-8311. If you'll just text your first name, and here's why I ask you to do that. I would love to be able to pray for you by name today. And and I'm going to get a list of everybody's name that prayed that prayer with me and that, that shoots us your name by text. And I will be praying for you by name today and throughout this week. I'd love the opportunity to do that. You've just made not only a life-changing decision, but an eternity-changing decision. And so I would just love the privilege of being able to pray for you. Also, many of you, man, you may be walking through some things where you'd say, I I need some prayer. Would you email me and let me know that? You can email us at hello at c3church.cc. If you say, man, I'd like you to be praying for me, my family, here's what we're walking through. I would love to be able to do that. Email us, hello at c3church.cc. Or if you have a need, we would love to be able to try to meet that need. If there's some need you have, shoot us an email at that same email address, hello at c3church.cc. And then I want to say just a word to those of you that are part of C3. I want to thank you for your generosity in this season. It is because of your generosity financially that we're able Uh, to do this and and to bring these services to you. It's your generosity that allows us to help people that are in need of help right now. And so you can give by texting C3 Orlando to 77977. 
just see through Orlando to 77977. I want to thank you for those uh, that are being generous and investing financially. We are using that to bring hope to people. We're using that to help people, and we will continue to do that all through this. We will be the people of God. We will be a people of faith. And we're going to choose not what Pilate chose when he washed his hands of Jesus. We're going to choose what Jesus chose when he got down and he washed the disciples' feet. We want to be a help to the community and a help to people around us. And you make that possible by investing financially. Hey, we're going to be meeting online each weekend for the foreseeable future. And so continue to check this out Sundays at c3church.cc forward slash live, c3church.cc forward slash live, and share this with your friends. Man, shoot some text, email some people, let them know on Sundays, we're making this available multiple services. You see all the services we have. And so they can check it out anytime during the day on Sundays. And in the meantime, know that Angie and I are praying for you. We love you. We're asking God to bless you. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Have a great day. God bless you.